This week on Medical Minefield, menopause specialist Dr Naomi Potter. I would just urge anybody listening that just as they need to be confident in their prescriber and they need to take advice on prescribing. We have patients come into our clinic who've um, you know, got their HRT from friends or got it online or imported it and they're self-managing and that's a, it's a dangerous territory. And consultant gynaecologist Lynn Robinson. So yes, we do see women that they become actually slightly aggressive because they really want these high doses of estrogen and then they describe their moods as being labile, often a low mood, um, very irritable, um, become quite angry with members of their family. And I think that might be fueled by these very high levels and high doses. Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kelman, and I am a health journalist, which means I spend my life asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week, we're asking why are women taking risky mega doses of hormone replacement therapy? As ever, we'd like to know what you think. So if you have a question or a suggestion for us at Medical Minefield, tweet us at MedMinefield. I should probably start by saying Eve is away this week on an assignment and I'm joined in the studio today by my old boss, who was the first health editor of the Mail on Sunday, is now head of money at the Mail on Sunday and has also been the head of health content at Hearst magazines prior to this, Sarah Hartley. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Hi, Barney. Hello. Thank you for joining us. How's it going? Oh, really well, thank you. But I'm here today because I'm I'm in the sweet zone of the topic that you're going to be talking about. Well, we are. Yes. HRT. H- HRT. And you very kindly joined us because every now and again, we'll, I'll write something on HRT and I'll sound you out about it because it's something you take. Absolutely. I think it's really important for women to know more about HRT. And I'm always very happy to discuss it because I've had such a, a positive experience. But equally, I know that getting to having a positive experience can be a tricky one. Well, I'm looking at it today because there's been reports that have come to the Mail on Sunday Mm. that women are taking these very, very high doses. There's a subset of women on HRT who seem to believe that more is better when it comes to HRT. And so Mm. like all drugs, HRT comes in different doses, different strengths. And there's some say, you know, 25 microgram strength, 50, 75 and 100. And and there's there's a top strength. Mm. And that top strength is, it's the sledgehammer, Mm. you know, Mm. approach to, to use one of those top doses. However, in recent years, we've been getting reports and and this week specifically we've been getting some very interesting reports that women are taking and self-administering twice Mm. three Mm. times this dose so i mean i I always try and get people to imagine if if we were talking about another drug say paracetamol you wouldn't sit down and take three times the maximum dose of paracetamol regularly because you know i mean obviously that would kill you probably um yeah but you know i mean it's it's a bit like the difference between drinking one glass of wine in the whole bottle or stuff like that. But people seem increasingly willing to experiment and and increase their dose of HRT. And what we've been hearing reports mm. of and what's going to appear in the mail on Sunday this weekend is 
that what doctors are saying is they're asking patients, patients are being referred mm. to specialists because their GPs get wind that these women are getting through their prescriptions very quickly, refer them on to other specialists saying you shouldn't be taking this much. The specialists ask them where they're getting these ideas from. And many of them are saying that they have been reading and discussing with other women online and that this is where they've realised or, or got the idea that they need these very, mm. very high doses, mm. that, that more is better when it comes to HRT mm. is a curious phenomenon. It's also quite risky because higher doses of HRT are more likely to cause side effects. Mm. That research does suggest, uh, and certainly clinical experience of doctors that I've spoken to who've spent decades treating women with the menopause say that you don't get ever more benefit as you increase your hormone levels. And there, there are long-term risks as well. So mm. uh, there's big unknowns. There's been no clinical trials of women on megadoses of three times the maximum dose. And there are signals that, you know, some women may be at slight increased risk of things mm. like blood clots and breast cancer from HRT. Yes. But given in normal doses, it's incredibly safe and effective. The higher doses, they worry that there might be this increased risk. Mm. So it's not something just to take No, no, it's not. And I think I think you sort of have to wind back to women and their reproductive life and potentially look at when women start to feel symptoms. Now, it, it's a very rare woman that gets through her menstrual life and doesn't have symptoms of pain and, and knows how to deal with that. I think the education ahead of menopause would point people in the direction of the symptoms they might start to experience. So in my case, I had probably for about two years, the most chronic aching limbs. And I had no, in the evening, just mm. in the evening, no idea what it was. When I was first advised to take HRT, that was the first symptom that went. And to me, HRT at that time was a magic elixir. It stopped me having palpitations. It stopped me waking up breathless in the middle of the night and I slept through the night. It was wonderful. Mm. Now, once those symptoms have gone or subsided, um, I know that they return. We've recently had shortages of HRT and those symptoms returned. But once you have leveled out on that medication, you reach a new normal. So your magical elixir, well, you get used to it. Mm. What I think then women are wanting is just that something extra. And mm. I think women really need to take a long, hard look at how they are aging and managing their expectations of what they're expecting from their body and how they want to feel. Can I just ask, when you were talking about getting your magical elixir right... Absolutely. ...working out the dose wasn't just straightforward. You aren't just given, you know, here's this medication, this is going to work. No, it's this is, this is what we prescribe and this is what it will be like. And a bit like with the pill, it takes a while. You know, there's a few shaky... There's a month or two where you think, oh, I feel a bit bloated. I feel as if I've got PMS. Oh, what's going on? Bit of weight gain that subsides. It's like getting used to any medication, whether it's an antidepressant or the pill. 
but you are given a dose of what to take. Mm. And how do you take your HRT? I take uh, a progesterone pill in the evening. And I was advised to take that because it, I'm told it aids sleep. You have to take it two hours after eating. It also protects the, the womb lining, the progesterone. Exactly. Because if you take the estrogen component of HRT, exactly. that stimulates the womb. Yes, exactly. I take a gel of estrogen. Now, the difference in the estrogens is there is a very good pump one, but I actually prefer there is a sachet uh, Sandrina, which comes in a regulated dose. So what that means is if you've gone down too hard on the pump, you haven't suddenly got, you know, double the dose or mm. you can notice, it's very easy to notice when you've had more estrogen than you potentially need. There is a time when you can, you know, if you have overdone it, you can feel slightly more, you will have physical symptoms. So you might feel slightly more weepy or slightly more tense and that happens quite quickly that's not a sort of it happens in two weeks time mm -hmm. it's that day i also take a uh, tester gel three times a week and that is and a, that's the testosterone that's gel. testosterone Wowza. and that is that's very trendy it is it is trendy and that was introduced later on in my hrt prescription when again i felt as if i'd leveled out and i went back to my doctor and i said hmm I'm still not feeling, you know, myself as I remembered it. And that was prescribed. And that has made the most difference to my energy levels. I'm not running marathons, but I'm back in the race, as it were, where I feel that I am not slowing down. I'm not feeling exhausted at the end of the day. And physically, I feel where I should be. Mm given my lifestyle. It's, it's interesting that you were prescribed it because was this a private prescription? It was indeed, but I now get it on the NHS. Oh, do you? Yes. Because I know NHS prescriptions specifically with testosterone, you can get it on the NHS, but only for low libido. My GP didn't ask me what, my NHS GP didn't ask me what I was prescribed it for. Because you had been already historically, prescribed it, by a it was specialist. part of it was part of my three pronged HRT approach. Exactly. The dose story is very interesting. It's something mm. that I became mm. aware of about a year ago. I was contacted by some concerned doctors saying that one major private clinic mm. appeared to be prescribing women higher than normal mm. doses of, of estrogen and we investigated it it's it's no great secret the story came out in april dr louise newson mm. who is a very well-known public figure that's right uh, probably the most mm. famous menopause doctor in the country if not one of the most famous in the world i'd mm. say and, and incredibly influential she's done Absolutely. amazing things for yes. opening the conversation Quite. about the menopause yes you know what what people don't see from her public image is that she's incredibly savvy mm. uh, you know way back you know many years ago when she was mm. setting up her clinic she was seeking out senior editors at newspapers mm. and i presume broadcasters because she has an incredible public image it was her not a publicity machine it was her mm. that would you know pin an editor to the wall at a party and say you've got to write about the menopause no one's talking about this and she really did throw open the doors for that mm. conversation absolutely before davina and her documentaries and Kate Muir and, and, and these well-known figures as well. You know, it was really Louise Newsom that was pushing the agenda. And 
it's been hugely beneficial, I think, Absolutely. because, you know, we're having this conversation now Quite. and it, it just wouldn't have been something that we would have probably talked about. No, and I think it ago. helped. It helped that she, you know, even as a GP herself, she was having repeated night sweats and feeling dreadful. And she thought she had lymphoma. I remember very famously, she had no idea what was wrong with her and she was a GP. So that kind of drive to alert women that may not have any clue about what's going on with their bodies, yes. to really uh, alert them to the fact that there is this huge transition. Absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, people understand now, I think, what the perimenopause is. And, and, and that's really thanks to her, I think, in a large part, thanks to her that you know you can benefit from taking hrt absolutely before the menopause you know in the, in the run-up because your hormone levels fluctuate yes but in the same way that a lot of you know looking at the statistics a lot of women choose not to take hrt and don't have symptoms at all you know so what what's really important i feel personally is that it's not seen as so trendy that if you don't take it there's mm. something terribly wrong and that you're missing out you know this fear of missing out on yeah and and, you know, to Dr. Newton's credit, she always says it's down to choice. She doesn't yes. think that all women should no, be on HRT no. whatsoever. And she makes that very, very clear. However, she also believes that women can benefit from a very high dose of oestrogen. And she personally prescribes this. She mm. specifically thinks that it's of benefit to women who struggle with their mental health. Uh, around mm. the time of the menopause. Mm. Um, and she, she said publicly that she believes these women uh, can benefit from twice the maximum licensed dose. She believes that even though there have been no safety studies, there's no indication of harm from doing this. Mm. And I wouldn't say she is the sole reason that women think that high doses are harmless, but certainly she is one of the people that speaks publicly about this. Mm. Women regularly have conversations. There are support groups on Facebook, um, on yeah. Instagram. Instagram is an absolute hotbed of women sharing information um, about the menopause. Mm. And, you know, it's hugely beneficial. But what doctors seem to be very concerned about is that this ecosystem that has evolved mm means that they're seeing these women who a lot of the time off their own bat have decided to double their dose or they're taking twice the maximum dose of patches and then topping up with extra gel and it's an alarming situation. Mm. I, I mean, can't I can't believe they're not feeling dreadful. I can't believe and if these women are, you know, taking such mega doses, I know there's a lot of conversation around people saying, Oh, I've got absorption problems. Yes. I mean that's that's kind of one of the common themes that you see women saying, Oh, I'm having to take uh, mega doses because, because you, my body doesn't absorb and, and that there is something to that mm. um although giving blood tests to diagnose the menopause is advised against because mm. hormone levels fluctuate so course, much yeah. anyway it's not thought of as a useful blood test no. you can give people blood tests to measure estradiol which yes. is one of the forms of estrogen to see how well you are absorbing your treatment and and it is true that some women can be on a, a very high dose like a, a 50 microgram patch or a 75 microgram patch and their their estradiol levels will be suboptimal you know and and they're still suffering symptoms but what we've been told this week is that the first port of call wouldn't necessarily be 
upping the dose at no, that point. No. It would be trying to switch to maybe a different preparation. You would look mm. for other options mm. rather than increasing someone's estrogen levels. Not everyone agrees. Some people think, including Dr. Newson, and who has a pretty vast clinical Absolutely, experience. Absolutely, she does. Yes. Um, 4,000 patients a month come to her clinics. And so you have to listen to her. She believes and, and, and others believe that increasing the dose brings about a beneficial response that women feel better, especially these women with psychological I think, problems. I think, I think there is a reason why women and some very prominent women take up running in midlife. There's a reason why women go wild swimming in midlife. I think that there is a point at which you have to look elsewhere other than drugs mm. to try and make yourself feel better. Especially with psychological stuff. There's psychological stuff. Let's make no bones about it. Women in their 50s and going through the menopause, on average, put on five pounds that's it. Your shape changes. For the most part, you will get the very odd exception where you, you just think, wow, how have you managed to keep your waist? But for the most part, you will see that menopause, all women and women got, who've gone through the menopause don't look like they did in their 20s. Mm. And dealing with that psychologically, with catching up with the fact that you are aging and you are changing will not be fixed by a pill. But the way that you feel about yourself, so your self-worth during this time is quite challenging. And I can see that if your hormones are balanced, you feel a lot better about yourself. Now, if your hormones aren't being balanced by HRT, then I think women should look elsewhere, looking at diet, mm. looking at the amount of alcohol they drink. You know, women's absorption levels during the menopause and afterwards are terrible or, or lower. Therefore, you know, women can't drink as much as they used to. Diet is a factor too. We know that women are eating differently, but everything has to be re-looked at. We cannot live as we did in our 30s and 40s, sadly. Mm. Mm. And of course, in midlife, you've got demands of, of children often, of caring you for have. parents often. You know, it's, it's a hugely stressful it's, time. It is, it? And, it, and you've got to look at Careers. your... Of course, you've got to look at your expectation of what you're trying to do and look at historically where your body is physically in the grand scheme of your life and it is aging and if you're still going full pelt and expecting to feel a certain way and you're expecting to have the same energy that you did in your 20s it's just not possible so I think once women have got their hormones balanced then they need to say okay how do I get that extra endorphin hit how do I make myself feel better about myself you know Perhaps it is a question of endorphins. Perhaps it is a question of antidepressants. But mega high doses of something that we know so little about long term, but we know there is a risk involved of increasing your chances of cancer, minimal though it may be, I just don't think we should mess around with. And I think that awful kind of peer group echo chamber of, oh, yes, I tried another dose and or mm. what you need to do is just Give yourself up your some dose. up your dose. And I've, I've seen that this week. When and I've it's been that looking kind online. of wine o'clock mentality mm. from lockdown of, of women encouraging one another to do something which you wouldn't do with any other medication. No. You know, you wouldn't say to somebody on antidepressants, oh, just 
Take three of them. Take three. You'll never know how much fun you can have. (laughs) You'll be happier than ever. Yeah, dial it up. Well, look, your point about expectations and wanting Mm. to to recapture your youth, Mm. I I want to come back to that when we talk. But let's let's first of all talk to to one of the clinicians I've been chatting to this week. Um, who's been seeing this phenomenon emerge over the over the past few years. Mm. We're joined now by Lynn Robinson, a Birmingham-based consultant gynecologist. Lynn, thanks so much for joining us today. No problem, very happy to join. We're talking today about HRT dosage and something that you've been seeing more and more frequently over the past few years is women on very, very high doses. Some would describe them as, as mega doses of estrogen HRT. Could you, first of all, could you explain to me, so obviously this is a prescription drug. How is it that you would see a woman on a high dose that you hadn't prescribed? So I very often see them because their GP may have been asked to prescribe this very high dose and they're not comfortable to do that. So the GP will send them to me to see if I can manage it. So so, so that woman would have gone into their GP and said something like, you know, I want, I mean, what would they say? So they may have been to another clinic where they've been prescribed very high doses of estrogen and then they're not followed up by the clinic because often they've had to pay to see that clinician and then the GP is expected to continue with this high dose. Most GPs aren't comfortable with that, so then they would ask for a specialist's advice on it. So that, that's often when I would get that referral. And so you, you see these women and, and what happens in the consultation? So very often they've sort of got used to having high doses and it's a new phenomenon. We used to see this in women with implants, it's called tachyphylaxis. But more commonly now, we're seeing something very similar in women on very high doses of transdermal estrogen, where they get used to very high levels of estrogen and actually their symptoms seem to not be that well controlled on it. It's usually mood symptoms, become irritable, labile mood, etc. And we do think that the mood issues may be aggravated by very high doses of estrogen. So maybe we will then try and get them down to a lower dose and that can cause a lot of problems. Mm. And you mentioned uh, tachyphylaxis and I've done a bit of reading around this and, and it was something that was first researched and studied in implant patients in I think in the 80s and 90s. Um, and these, these women were observed to have, when they, when they tested them, so these little implants, they go under the skin and then when they tested their blood estrogen levels, it was a, incredibly high in the thousands, whereas a menopausal woman would normally be in the, in the low hundreds. Some of these women were suffering quite severe psychiatric symptoms in, in those studies. Is that sort of your experience of, of these tachyphylaxis cases? So yes, we do see women that they become actually slightly aggressive because they really want these high doses of estrogen and then they describe their moods as being labile, often a low mood, um, very irritable, um, become quite angry with members of their family. And I think that might be fueled by these very high levels and high doses. And do they get angry with you when you say we're going to have to reduce your dose because it might be causing your problems? Yeah, some of them do. Some of them do recognise that these high doses are fueling their mood symptoms and they do want to come down, but they find it very difficult. Mm. Other women get really quite angry that I'm not prepared to prescribe it because somebody else has said it's okay. 
You mentioned that one thing is that, you know, maybe women have been told by a private clinic that that's what they need. And then they've tried to seek that out from a GP and end up in your in your office. But also that that social media or the media has had a role to play in a, in a kind of in a perception, I suppose, that, that you can sort of tinker with HRT or that it's, it's OK to double or triple your dose. Yeah, it is an unusual phenomenon because in any other area of medicine, you wouldn't just give somebody double the dose because you think it might work better. It only seems to be with hormone replacement therapy that it seems okay that we just give double the prescribed dose. And I think there has been fueled by media, social media, that there is this perception that maybe women are being denied HRT, aren't being allowed to have an adequate dose of HRT and are being under-medicated. I think the vast majority of clinicians and GPs are actually very good about this and very sensible. But there, there is a small cohort of clinicians that are prescribing these really high doses. Why do you think that these clinicians are prescribing these very high doses? Uh, is it possibly really believe that these very high doses are going to help women? And there, I mean, I think there may be a perception that I've seen a quote that if pregnant women feel great on such high doses of estrogen, then older women may feel great as well. But we aren't meant to have levels of estrogen in, of a pregnant woman at the age of 55. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really know. I think estrogen is a great hormone. It can offer bone protection. It can offer cardiovascular protection. It can take away menopausal symptoms. But the evidence we've got for the safety of estrogen is those recommended doses, the therapeutic doses that are that are licensed and that are recommended and that most menopause specialists use. We don't actually have any evidence on the safety of these really high doses of estrogen, and that's what worries me. We don't know anything about the breast exposure risk, and that's something that will take many years to come to light. Mm. And, and I think if we wait for that, we may be doing a lot of women a lot of harm. Mm. There is the argument that it's, it's not necessarily about the dose, that you give women of, of these preparations. So transdermal estrogen, it has to get through the skin and into the bloodstream. And, and women do that at different rates. So some women absorb very easily, some women don't absorb. So you could stick two patches on and their their blood estrogen would be very normal. So what do you say to that, that actually these women aren't being prescribed or aren't taking you know mega doses, they're just taking what they need to control the symptoms, which after all is what NICE recommends? So for a start, a lot of women I see in these very high doses do actually have very high levels of blood estradiol. But yes, there are some women that are on huge doses that when they do their estradiol levels, they appear to be within the physiological range. For a start, these levels do fluctuate. So it's really hard to know exactly what's going on. And also, I'm not sure we can equate a blood estradiol level to how do we know about tissue exposure? How do we know about breast exposure? I think it's very difficult to equate that. And the other thing I'd say is, why are people giving women massive doses of estrogen through the skin if they think they're not absorbing it? What's wrong with giving them oral estrogen? If they're not able to oral estrogen for various medical conditions, it's possible they could have implants instead. So, and, and then we do very closely monitor them. So I, I don't really understand why these women have been massive doses of transdermal estrogen to try and get estrogen absorbed. If they're not absorbed, you know, we use another route. 
Now, I know the British Menopause Society, Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists, uh, Royal College of General Practitioners put out a joint alert following uh, a piece we did in April this year about high dose prescribing. Would you say that you agreed with that alert that high doses should not be routinely prescribed and only in the most exceptional circumstances? Would that, would that be what you say to women, that this should be absolutely exceptional? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think there are some younger women that when they're suffering from premature vein insufficiency, they may need higher doses of estrogen because they're at that point in their life where they would be normally experiencing higher doses of estrogen. Mm. So there are some exceptions, but I think in general, we need to be much more careful about the doses of estrogen we're prescribing. And I think a lot of these women with very high doses of estrogen may come to some harm from it. Mm. Well, Lynn Robinson, thank you very much for finding some time to join us today. Thank you. I want to go back to what you were talking about, expectations of Mm. how you should Mm. feel in middle age. And Mm. people always get really cross when men try and equate themselves to this conversation. I'm I'm going to try and relate. You're catching me up. You're catching me up. (laughs) Don't worry. so, you know, at 43, I can relate to what you're saying, the, the kind of, you know, men always talk about the fact that we can't eat the same things that we did Absolutely. in our 20s. Because, you know, we lived on McDonald's burgers Absolutely. and Absolutely, hollow legs, you and, could eat anything. you know, it never went to, and now it goes straight to your stomach. Of course, um, of And course. You, have to, you have to kind of watch what you eat. I, I mean, the, the beer bit, I, I can barely drink now. I fall asleep. <laughs> I just fall asleep. <laughs> but also we've got to look at our lifestyles. You know, when you're racing around and you have a career in your 20s, your 30s, then you have kids and it's the 40s. When you're in your 50s, you are most likely, if you're a woman, still in the workplace. Mm. And you may be part of the sandwich generation. You may be caring for elderly parents. You're still in the workplace. And what's brilliant about HRT is that it does give you that extra boost Mm. to stay in the workplace because so many women leave their jobs, as statistics show, in in their 50s around the menopause time because they cannot cope with the symptoms now that's that's one thing is that we are expected or or, or it's a given now that we are working much longer it's many things cost of living crisis because we can because we want to and that's where it's happened but we still have to look at our lifestyle as a key thing around hrt and say can we rely on a pill Mm to make us feel like we remember ourselves. You know, I always say to you, Barney, that my best year ever was 24. Now, I remember it so well, but gosh, I know I'm never going to be in that year again. Would you really want to be? No. No. And that's why, but I've had a long... I would never want to be in my 20s again. Oh, God. But that's where I've had a long, hard look at what it means to be me right now. Am I where I should be? And am I feeling well Yes. If I'm not feeling well, do I immediately put it down to my hormones or is it other things? And I think that's where women maybe are, are ascribing certain things to to their hormonal situation as opposed to their actual 
life. And, and that's the, I think the big, I mean, people claim there's this manopause as well, because some men say that, that they are slowing down and less thrusting and, uh, you know, their muscles are Absolutely. not as big and bulging as they should yeah. be and all, all of those kinds of things and, and that they need extra testosterone to top up levels. Mm. But mm. I think the big difference with the manopause, um, which not everyone believes in, um, yeah. and menopause is that there are a very specific set of symptoms that can really really interfere with life hmm. um but maybe not so much so that we should call it a disease do you know what oh, i mean no, and i think that there does feel like there is this kind of underlying philosophy or maybe maybe that, that some people are more overt about it they you know i mean i've seen it referred to as a neurological condition and oh. and such like because women suffer such bad brain fog oh i think but it makes symptoms- you kind of think no, I think the symptoms are absolutely dreadful. And if you have physical symptoms and psychological ones, they're dreadful. And I do, well, in my case, HRT has certainly helped. But then you have to look beyond that. Yeah. You know, but you don't, think it's a, you don't think it's a degenerative disease or anything? Oh, like no, no, no. I definitely think it's a condition. Yeah, reading yeah. around it, women who are now in my mother's age and beyond, having the time of their lives. So it is a factor, but also looking at the people that are, you know, social media, women, peer discussing it, which is great that they're doing that. But the fact that, you know, people getting their advice on taking HRT from their hairdresser, my goodness... Does that point to the fact that there should be more open clinics at GP surgeries? Go in and find the facts from GP surgeries. You know, would I have ever had taken advice from my hairdresser during my pregnancy? No, I'd have had it from whatever clinic I was going Mm -hmm. to at the time and, and getting it from medical specialists. You know, you've got to look at why women are resorting to peer conversations. Is it that the information isn't out there? Mm. Well, I mean, it's certainly historically, you know, been a slightly taboo subject. And mm. we'll come back to that, I think, afterwards. But next, I'd like to speak to uh, a menopause specialist GP who might be able to give us some insight into the kinds of things that, that women want from uh, HRT. We're joined now by GP and menopause specialist, Dr. Naomi Potter. Naomi Potter also co-wrote Davina McCall's best-selling menopause book. Thanks very much for finding some time to join us today. Pleasure. Nice to speak to you. We're talking today about HRT doses. It's been in the news again this week because one menopause specialist, Paula Briggs, who's the chair of the BMS, wrote in the iNewspaper that she was concerned that she was seeing more and more women who were being referred to her because they'd gone to their GP and asked for very high doses of HRT and the GP hadn't been comfortable prescribing that, so referred to her. And and she says that when they're tested, they have these very high blood estrogen levels um, and that she has to bring them back down. And she told this anecdote about how her hairdresser had said that when she she was feeling down she doubled her dose of hrt and she called the situation out of control and i just wondered i mean you are very much at the forefront of the current menopause conversation alongside davina and i just wondered what your perception of this was because i know that that you've mentioned your concerns about about people you know not taking for granted the dosage and not just doing these kinds of things So a few years ago, we were faced with the opposite problem where nobody talked about menopause and HRT. There was very little information.
information available. It was all a hushed conversation. And the pendulum seems to have swung so far the other way that everybody seems to be menopause experts, including, you know, the hairdresser (laughs) um, and the person at at the supermarket checkout. And although it is lovely, I mean, I think intentions are all very well meaning. But unfortunately, information seems to have been skewed. And although HRT can be absolutely brilliant, um, you do have to use it within regulated parameters and under the care of, of people that know what they are doing and prescribing. It seems to have gone a little bit bonkers. Uh, so you know, there's lots of Facebook groups out there, Instagram accounts, forums, Mumsnet, you know, those kinds of forums where people are offering advice with, I'm, I'm certain, with well-meaning intentions. But the end result can be that because everybody is now much more on board with using HRT, they don't realize the implications for adjusting doses without being monitored um, or without under the correct supervision. And that's where it can become a, a problem. And I think it is becoming a problem because if you take you know too much estrogen then there can be problems that we just don't we don't even know about because we've not done the studies into giving women large doses of estrogen long term so i yeah. think that's the problem i'll ask you about that in a second but i i just want to point out i've tuned into some of your instagram lives that you've done with davina and and i just think that they're you know as as a layperson who reports on this kind of thing i think that they're fantastic and helpful and you know people oh, are really going to get great information if they see your name i'd like to flag that up that they're going to get really good balanced woman-centered information um thank you but tell me with regard to high doses have you had women asking for very high doses women on a large dose saying i need more or you know people who've been prescribed or or self-prescribed a higher dose that you've then seen in clinic and and then what what do you say to them do sometimes they need the higher dose well, we would see a different population in my clinic as, um, as opposed to a, to a GP, really. So I wouldn't have um, very many women coming to us on high doses um, asking for us to prescribe that. It doesn't really work like that. Whereas if a GP may have somebody who's come who's come in and said, you know, that's this is what I would like. Because people coming to us tend to want our guidance rather than tell us what they what they want Mm. i mean i think it has become a well-known phenomenon out in the in the public it's not very common to need to use very very high doses of estrogen i mean there are obviously exceptions and that needs to be very much under the care of somebody that knows what they're doing in the form of menopause specialist you may expect somebody to require higher levels of estrogen for example if they've had a surgical menopause and they've been young women with pms sometimes need high doses of estrogen to help control symptoms but for most women don't and if you are going to go off license with prescribing then it needs to be done very carefully you have to document risks and those risks that sometimes are unknown and you make a joint decision the specialist who has the right qualifications needs to make that decision with the patient with a full discussion of risks and benefits and that also seems to be something that's not happening and then you know you have these patients need long-term monitoring and i think that's again something that's not necessarily being done because there's such pressure you know with gps to provide adequate care in the first place and they may not have the training and it's just it's, it's the same mm. old um issues of training yeah. and 
pressure on services that it's a challenge. It sounds to me that you're saying that, that most women do very well on standard doses. The vast majority of women should do well if the underlying problem is hormones. And that's the uh, that's the other issue is mm. that um, HRT can't fix non-hormonal issues. Well, that's it's an interesting thing you mentioned there. And I think we might have talked about this before when you came on last time. These high doses are being prescribed specifically. And the idea that these high doses are necessary are for women that are struggling with psychological symptoms. So anxiety, low mood, irritability. And that is the woman that gets the megadose. And do you think that there's anything in that? That's a difficult one because so menopause symptoms can definitely include anxiety, low mood, but it's not exclusive to perimenopause and menopause. So you can have anxiety and, and depression completely separate to hormones. And if you are experiencing those symptoms because your hormones are low and you then replace those hormones to the normal physiological level, you shouldn't require super doses. Do you see what I mean? So we, we would only aim to replace the hormones to the normal uh, kind of pre-menopausal level, certainly not to a supra-physiological um, yeah. level. And I suppose the argument is that that is the aim of, of upping the dose. It's because they may not be absorbing all of the transdermal estrogen. And so you just up the dose and up the dose until you get relief from these symptoms for the patient I guess that's the philosophy so in my experience and it's certainly in the experience of the doctors in my clinic and there's about 20 of us working together British Menopause Society advanced specialists so we have a lot of experience we do see variation in, in transdermal absorption and some women seem to not absorb very much at all and some women seem to be very adequate absorbers and so that is where I think there is a grayness to prescribing because you might have a woman who absorbs very well, who gets on very well with a, with a 25 patch or with one pump of gel and somebody else who might need a 100 patch. And they might, otherwise, they might be very, very, very similar. But that is the importance of starting at a low dose and working up. And that's something else that I'm not sure is kind of well known. People don't need high doses certainly not to start with. One of the principles of medicine is that you start with the lowest dose that somebody would, would require and if they need more, then you give them more. And some, I think some patients can find that quite hard because they're so desperate to feel better. They just, and their friends are all on four pumps of gel and you know everybody's saying how amazing HRT is that they're keen to just go for it. But actually, it's really important because the last thing you want to do is give somebody more than they need because mm. then you end up in the realms of you know, you know, side effects and, uh, and consequences of, um, uh, of high dosing. Are you concerned about the risk that this cohort of women may be in? Um, you know, if they are on double or triple the dose, the maximum doses of oestrogen, of are you concerned about the, the long-term health risks that they could be facing? What concerns me is that there seems to be a lot of prescribing and self-prescribing that is unmonitored and is not according to guidelines and not according to kind of correct expertise. I think it's important that women who, who need adequate doses get adequate doses because that has been a problem in the past. You know, the opposite problem has been that women you know, have not got what they've needed. 
But now I think it, it, the, the danger is that it is going to swing the other way. And then, of course, once it swings that way, the danger is then it's rained in too much. And what we're just what what my aim is, is that everybody gets the, the advice that is specific to them and what they need in order for them to be mm. kind of optimized. It just seems like such a, a fine line that we can't seem to, to adhere to. Uh, but yeah. who knows what we're going to see in 10 years' time from out-of-the-norm prescriptions yeah. and prescribing. Um, from a breast point of view, from an endometrium point of view, we don't really know yeah. what those consequences are going to be. Slightly uncontrolled experiment. It is. And I would just urge anybody listening that just as they need to be confident in their prescriber and they need to take advice on prescribing. We have patients coming to our clinic who've um, you know, got their HRT from friends or got it online or imported it and they're self-managing and that's a, it's a dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, qualifications a bit earlier. What should people be looking for in uh, their uh, prescriber? What, what kind of qualifications? So GPs and gynecologists are adequately qualified to manage the menopause. Coaches and nutritionists do not have the prescribing qualifications. If you are looking for a more advanced practitioner, then you need to be looking on the British Menopause Society website and to look at their list of advanced specialists because those are the people that have had the advanced training and can call themselves you know, advanced menopause specialists um, and they are the people that are qualified to open and run a menopause clinics. And that's publicly searchable, isn't it? I mean, you can you can go yeah. on the British Medical yeah. Society and you can look in your area. All the people on on the list in that area will be, you know, bona fide British Medical Society trained specialists. Yes, absolutely. Um, and there's online. We I mean, we have an online clinic, so it doesn't even necessarily need to be in your area anymore. But the the trouble with this field is that anybody can call themselves a menopause specialist. So you do need to be very careful about who you get your advice from. Well, look, I'm absolutely confident that anyone getting advice from you is going to be getting good advice. And thank you so much for finding some time to talk to us, Dr. Naomi Potter. A pleasure. A pleasure. I do like Dr. Potter. I think she's great. Very, very helpful. Very friendly lady. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been criticised slightly because we've run a few articles that have been critical of the Davina effect, that Davina's documentaries about the menopause really, like Louise Newsom, th- threw open the door for, for a conversation about, and re- I, I think rebranded the menopause as not something that old, la- because no. it's, it's funny, we always have a, we always have a joke about <laughs> when we do stock images. Of, so uh, for listeners, so, so when, when we're laying out a page, we go to online resources there are libraries and picture libraries yeah. and you'll find a photo for it to illustrate your piece the picture editor will find a photo and generally i'd say a decade ago if you'd illustrated a, a piece about the menopause it would have been with one of those kind of for, for the mail on sunday it would have been a vintage photo black and white of a ladies kind of in crimpoline 1950s housewife fanning, fanning herself or, or making a grimacing beside a fan Sweating. and and she would have been old and frumpy and oh somebody that you'd distressed. expect to see now in their 80s actually. absolutely you know. and uh, something very dramatic has happened in terms of the I image of women so. in midlife when we've got people like Davina and uh, Penny Lancaster and you know these people are the the glamorous icons of 
TV and, and they're going through the menopause and they're not going to turn into old ladies. No, and it's made it a family conversation. That's That was the great thing about Davina is that she, she came out, they talked about it and it could be spoken about within the family. I mean, Rod Stewart spoke about, you know, Penny Lancaster throwing plates at him. You know, he spoke about it. God, he's a football playing mm. man, mm. you know, but he said about how it's affected the family. And I think that's, I think awareness among the family, therefore, potentially supporting mm. the woman in their lives who is going through the menopause can only be helpful. Mm. Well, I mean, certainly all the men we work with are, are, are acutely aware of, of the menopause now. And, and you know, we, we you know, they, they put it on the front page of the newspaper. Um, you know, it's, it's a serious thing. Ten a years ago, thing. that would never have happened. It would never have no. happened no. because the image would have been of these these ancient, desperately fanning themselves 1950s housewives, which no one relates to. No. It's, de- it's very dehumanising, isn't yes. it? Yes. But at the same time, you know, the Davina effect actually refers to the impact she had on prescribing. And that's a different thing from throwing open the conversation about something. That's encouraging and almost taking the place of a conversation that should be had between a doctor and a patient. And and there's nothing wrong. You know, people ask us all the time, what doctor should they see or who's the best at doing this? And and people do sometimes, you know, ask me medical questions and mm. oh, I just don't know the answer. They need to go and speak to speak to a doctor who, who knows the answer. I have, I have no idea. But, but other people I've seen on social media, including Davina, seems very keen to advise people on what medications to take. She did a video of her rubbing her testosterone gel in. And, you know, testosterone is... There's big question marks. I know that, that you, you want it, but there's big question marks over, you know, what the benefits are, who benefits, etc. It's, it's definitely not a panacea. And you shouldn't be really, uh, you know, dosing on steroids, which is what this is, an anabolic exactly. steroid, you know, just to give you va-va-voom, you know, because, no. I mean, I may as well take it for that reason. But mm. do I have a clinical need? Yeah. And I think if you look inside the prescription leaflet inside the box for tester gel, you'll see that it's not prescribed for women in there at all. So, you know, it is one of those things where you as a patient have to discuss with your clinician the risks and weigh up what you think the benefits mm. might be. And if you find no no benefits, then don't persevere with it. You know, if it's not working for you, you do need to go back and discuss again what might be better or is there something else going on? Mm. So first and foremost, I would say my advice is go to a doctor for your medical needs. GPs are a great first port of call uh, for, for menopause treatments. Um, but there is an incredible resource. Uh, that there, there are menopause specialists and there's a register held by the British Menopause Society. And this includes clinicians in hospitals and in GP surgeries across the country who have taken additional training and qualifications. And they are menopause specialists. They are on that register and you can search uh, by their name and they're the ones that you really need to look for and listen to if you feel you need specialist advice on on the menopause um, and what what would your advice be Sarah I think go to your GP sound them out talk to them book a double appointment if you need to because you don't necessarily know as we've heard today that it's a hormonal problem going on and if you start on a low dose ask for a low dose try it out and if you don't feel it's working for you or you need more or you think there's something still going on as you say then explore further you've got the resources there to look further now that we didn't have 10 years ago probably 15 years ago and explore things further 
but don't be don't jump on a, a bandwagon at too mm. high a point you know start out slowly mm. it's a drug not a trend absolutely well that's all we've got time for you can read all about this exciting story in the mail on sunday uh, which you can consume in newspaper format on mailplus.co.uk or on the mail app we'll be back with another topic on medical minefield next week and we'll see you then Thank you.